0: Hey there, it's Hedvig from Abundate. Do you ever feel like you're constantly battling against your multilingual brain at work? Maybe you struggle to find the right words in English, worry about your accent or your grammar, or you find yourself constantly overthinking your language use to avoid making a mistake. You're not alone. Did you know that this lack of confidence in your language skills can actually lower your working memory capacity? That means you might not be performing at your best if you're distracted by any language worries or uncertainty. But here's the thing, it's not your fault. We have been taught to approach language learning in a way that goes against the natural functioning of our multilingual brains. The good news is that there's a way to actually work with your brain instead of against it. A way to develop effective communication strategies that go beyond just grammar and vocabulary. A way to gradually build your confidence and skills without dedicating hours every day. And most importantly, a way to bring your unique voice and personality to the conversation instead of kind of sounding like somebody else. Introducing the School of Certainty. Abundate's group coaching program designed specifically for professionals like you who use English as a foreign language at work. I understand your frustration because I've been there myself. And now I help professionals like you to confidently build and nurture relationships in English, bring out the best and most competent version of yourself and excel in your career. Don't let your language worries hold you back any longer. Join the School of Certainty and start your journey towards confident and effective communication. Visit abundate.org/soc to get started. That's a b u n d a t e dot o r g slash s o c. Learning a language is not what you think, but so much more. This is the Abundate podcast, and I'm your host, Hedvig Sandbu. For this episode, I spoke with Tamara Marie, another certified neurolanguage coach who describes herself as a Latin dance addict. She's from the United States and combines her passion for languages, music, travel, and culture in her work. In our interview, I could really hear the joy in her voice when she talked about learning language through dance and through music. And you can just see why she turned that into her what's now her business, Spanish Consalsa, which helps Spanish learners to reach conversational fluency by learning through authentic Latin music. We also get a little bit philosophical towards the end, where Tamara shared some of her kind of deeper purpose and the value that she's gotten from language learning herself. And if you stick around until the very end, you'll hear a few reflection prompts that I was inspired to ask you based on this conversation. And I I really think these run pretty deep. So I'd love to know your thoughts. And as usual, to kick off the conversation, I ask Tamara about her early experiences with language learning.
1: Thank you for having me. First of all, I'm always excited to Uh, Be on a podcast because um, I love podcasts. It actually is something that helped me learn languages and what made me want to start one of my own. So I definitely appreciate um, the invitation. So thank you for having me. Uh, How I got started in languages, I think, you know, growing up in the United States, it's not, well, traditionally, at least when I was growing up, wasn't a very multilingual society. And uh, the first introduction I had to languages was actually, uh, in school at about, I think maybe 12 or 13 and they made us pick a foreign language and it was like, okay, French or Spanish, right? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people would choose French, um, at a certain point, but then it started to switch over to Spanish as we got like a larger Latino population. People encouraged us to take Spanish and then people said it was easier. So I said, oh, I'll just pick Spanish, right? <laughs> and I did that throughout high school and, um, You know, I I did pretty decent. I mean, it was all like, you know, very basic stuff like, ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Like, where's the library? Where's the bat? Like, we didn't learn a lot of very practical um, information. And so I thought I was really good. I mean, we were reading like little novels. And by the time I graduated from high school, so I just thought, well, you know, I learned Spanish. I knew Spanish, right? And then probably, wow, I'd say... Ten years later, which would be the first time I actually traveled abroad, I decided to go to to uh, Panama, and I said, "Okay, this is great. I'm going to a Spanish speaking country. I know Spanish, no problem." And I got into the airport, and I was just trying to like remember, like, "Okay, he's they're going to ask me my address." And I need to be able to tell them my address. So I'm just waiting for them to say the word dirección to address. So if mm-hmm. I don't understand anything else, right, I'll know how to respond to that question. So I'm like super nervous. I get to customs and they're like siguiente, which is like next person. I had no idea what that meant. I was like, what? And they're just like pointing at me. <laughs> and the guy started talking and it all sounded like blah, 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 blah. blah. And I just like <laughs> handed him a piece of paper that had my address written on it. He hadn't even asked for it yet. Like I, didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And I think because that experience was so embarrassing that I made a determination that I was going to actually learn Spanish properly and not rely on uh, what I learned in school. So I think like many of us, my first experience with language was not very good just because the way it was taught here was not practical, not conversational. I could conjugate an AR verb all day long, but I could not have a conversation um, mm-hmm. And it really crystallized for me when I when someone said, well, how do you say okay in Spanish? And I was like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I've been learning Spanish in school <laughs> for what? I, I did two years in probably middle school and then four years in high school, six years of Spanish classes, and I didn't know how to say okay. And that's when I realized like there's a huge disconnect between the way languages are taught in school and the way we need to use them in real life. So uh, you know, I, I would call that a false start in school. But then once I actually made the determination on my own, I started uh, just kind of looking for anything I could in the library online. I've downloaded like I think every program that exists for Spanish at some point, And I just kept trying. Uh, and so, yeah, that's how I that's how I got started. It was just purely from uh, embarrassment of my high school Spanish failing me that made me want to learn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it sounds, first of all, it sounds um, a lot like how I started learning French in school, you know, a lot of this, yeah, grammar and, and kind of thinking I was really good, but actually in reality, in real situations, I was completely lost. Uh, but I, I wanted to to ask a question about something that you you just said, which was that, that embarrassment that you felt when you first uh, came to a Spanish speaking country, Panama, And you were in that situation and you couldn't understand. That was what motivated you? Yeah, well,
1: so true confession about me, I consider myself still a recovering perfectionist, right? So it was a little bit of uh, an internal challenge, right? Like I thought that I knew something. I mean, I knew I wasn't fluent but i thought i could at least handle getting through the airport and so it was sort of like this disconnect of my like self image of i thought i you know knew this language and then the reality was like no you don't <laughs> cuz yeah. you can't have a basic conversation and it's because you know languages aren't taught in a conversational way like you mentioned with your experience with french is i feel like in the us i will call it not so much language uh teaching that they do but it's more of like language appreciation. You know how you have like an art appreciation class? Like you're not going to learn how to paint. You're not going to be Van Gogh, but you're going to learn how to appreciate art. So I feel like here in the U.S. they teach us language appreciation, right? Okay, here's a language. It's great. There's people that speak it. We'll teach you a couple words. You learn some grammar charts and off you go. Like it's not meant to make you fluent. So, you know, for me, it was the challenge of shifting that uh, mindset that, okay, I thought I had learned something. I really don't know it. And, you know, going along with that, what started to happen in my life at that time was, like I said, that was the first time I traveled abroad. Mm-hmm. You know, after that, I just fell in love with travel. So since then, I've been to so many different places. And it became very clear to me if I wanted to travel more, I really needed to to have a command of the language. And um, so that that kind of started me off, but it also kind of was in parallel with my Uh, learning about Latin music. And I went to, I first kind of got into it. um, It was funny at the, at the gym. I had a friend at the time who was trying to lose quite a bit of weight and I had a pretty sedentary desk job at the time. I wasn't really going anywhere, doing much. And so I felt like, you know, I wasn't really overweight, but I just felt, you know, uh, low energy and not very healthy. And so I said, I'll be your gym buddy. Right. Uh, So we'll go. And I saw this class in the back of the gym with like the lights off, had 40 women standing outside waiting to get in. And I was like, what's going on back here? It looks like there's a club in this gym. And it was a Zumba class. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the instructor was this little petite, uh, just adorable um, (laughs) uh, Latina. She uh, had all this like energy and the whole class was just kind of like, you know, dance, cardio, whatever. Uh, Mm Zumba is like this international vibe, but it's Like Brazilian music, Latin music, all kind of mixed in a little bit of pop, and um, I started to kind of hear these rhythms that I had never heard before. I was like, I kind of like this. Um, And then I started listening to some songs, and then I thought, Oh, I must be able to dance now. Clearly, I've been in Zumba for however many months, and uh, again, got embarrassed and realized, No, you you can't dance salsa just because Mm -hmm. you've been in Zumba classes. (laughs) So again, I had to learn how to dance because I had you know two left feet. So. As I was learning how to dance, I was learning about the music, I was learning about the culture, and I started to travel. So it all kind of came together for me. Um, And that's what I call true immersion because, like, really, people say, oh, just go travel abroad, go live somewhere for a year, and you'll get fluent. But the, the truth is that doesn't actually work, right? I know many people that live in my community who are from other countries that don't speak English because they don't have to. You know, they live in a community yeah. where they have family, they have people supporting them, or they maybe they just don't want to. Maybe they know a little bit, but they're just really not into it. So moving somewhere doesn't guarantee fluency. But for me, because my life naturally took on this sort of Spanish cultural immersion because of my interest and because like sort of all these things were converging, it really did kind of help me learn the language. So it started with that minor embarrassment and sort of like a self-challenge, but it also just became a natural part of my life because all my interests we're really aligning with the language
0: yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've really taken a lot of different interests, I mean whether it's you know fitness, learning to dance, uh, learning about Latin music and and I guess just loving music as well, and the language and the spanish i want I want to ask you also about Spanish Consalsa and you know your work, but before we get into that, I kind of want to ask you about. No, actually, first, I'm going to make a comment on what you said about language appreciation. (laughs) I guess it's, and I fully agree with you, by the way, it is that, that when you're just when you're learning languages in school, it's kind of like you're, uh, okay, so you're learning the, uh, rather than learning how to build a house, you're kind of just learning the different parts of the house, like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's a window, right? That's the wall, (laughs) but you're not actually learning what are the things that make you able to use uh that knowledge in order to actually build a house you're just kind of mm, I don't know playing playing with the different parts and uh, well for me it was also actually I enjoyed learning about the different parts Uh, Mm um but that's not the case for everyone most people kind of hate grammar and hate like I mean we all have had some kind of experience with uh embarrassment in uh foreign language classrooms of, in some way, right? Where, you know, we're made to say something or do some kind of presentation and and we feel so nervous because all we know how to say is, yeah, where is the library? Like <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, that there isn't that connect between what we enjoy doing, like what we love doing, which can be different things, right? Like dance and uh, travel and and fitness and you know being healthy. But you've found a really beautiful way of just combining those things together. And okay, now I've been talking long enough, so I'll ask you another question. (laughs) One of the things that you said in your first episode in your podcast, I think, is that the way languages are taught is broken. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what you're touching upon with that, are we learning language appreciation? How do you think learning languages through dance is helping people to unbreak or to maybe reframe how the, how they think about learning languages
1: well there's actually a lot of of research behind learning and music in general. So not just with foreign language learning, but like, for example, if you have issues with attention, um, you know, playing some soft music in the background can help you focus. And we all know that focus helps you concentrate, which is the only way you really learn, right? You can't learn what you're not paying attention to. Um, So like music in general does have some great correlations with the idea of enhancing anything that you're trying to learn, but when it comes to foreign language like we were talking about this like embarrassment that's associated with the classroom environment really starts to go away when you incorporate music and when i say that i don't mean like i know that there's some people who do like you know earworms or they'll have like a, let's make a song you know with the words of this language and it's for like kids stuff like you know we have the alphabet song and things like that I'm not talking about the sort of Sesame Street sort of, oh, you know, let's learn, you know, a jingle to memorize a grammar point. I mean, actually learning the language and um, the music that the people that speak the language listen to. Um, You can glean so much about the culture, so much about people that speak the language through the music. Um, Just from the topics that are discussed, the types of rhythms that you hear, you really get a sense of of overall the culture and not just sort of this narrow, I'm going to learn a foreign language today. Let me pick up a book and read a word list, right? You actually get the emotion behind it. And emotion is also very powerful for helping us connect, helping us learn and remember, right? We often pay attention to things that are very emotional for us. I'm sure you have a song that could come on the radio right now, and it will remind you of something that happened, you know, my senior year of high school. This was the song we played. We were driving to the beach or this vacation with my family or, or you know, it could be positive or negative, but we have these strong emotional connections to music just as human beings. So my thinking was, because it was my experience, is capitalizing on that to help us learn language because it's all naturally built in. And you hear me as I'm talking, I'm, I'm like, okay, this is just a part of my life. This is just how we you know, pick up things. I know people talk about language acquisition versus learning the language. So it it really is about making it as natural as possible and not forcing the sort of unnatural classroom environment onto a process that we as humans pick up from when we're babies, right? We're born, people start making sounds to us, we start trying to make sounds back, we imitate them, and then boom, you know, Over thousands of years, we have all these amazing languages. It's not something that it was like, okay, baby, (laughs) Mm -hmm. after you drink your milk, go sit in this classroom and I'm going to pull up a chart and I'm going to show you what irregular verbs are. Like, that's not how we learned our first language. So it's just really awkward to me that the approach of language teaching has been this very clinical sort of approach to something that's a very natural human activity. So, you know, I do understand you have to learn like the mechanics and the ins and outs, but I think if you, if you miss the first part, which is that emotional connection, that human connection, that cultural connection, that you really do lose a lot, right?
0: Mm.
1: Even your experience with French, it's very different to speak French in Paris than it is in Montreal than it is in Ghana, right? And you won't get that from a book, You know, you might get a paragraph that says what I just said, but you really won't understand (laughs) what that means until you hear people in Montreal and you see the culture and how it's different than Paris and how when you speak to someone in Paris, they might want you to have perfect French, but when you go to Ghana, you might go their French isn't perfect, right? Or whatever it is, right? So there's all these nuances that it's really hard to teach, Mm -hmm. uh, that you really have to experience. And music is a great gateway for you to experience that without having to actually get on a plane and go to each one of these places. So, for me, it just became, and I, and I've done it with other languages too. I've done it with, uh, with Portuguese. I started uh, learning some Samba. I, I've done it with, starting a little bit with Arabic. The music isn't as to my liking with some of the like Egyptian <laughs> stuff. I'm trying to find a good genre. So if anyone has a suggestion, uh, for Egyptian Arabic music, but, um, but yeah, it's something I've applied to, to other languages besides Spanish, because I just love music. Um, and I also love to dance. So, um, Dancing also kind of is a full body activity. And for me, when I dance, I'm not thinking. So, all that, like, oh my gosh, I'm self conscious, I'm going to get embarrassed, right? It's like when you're in your body and you're connected to your body, you really can't be anxious and nervous about something. So, it really does help. It's all these things that help calm us down so that our mind is in an optimal state for learning. And it's also enjoyable. You know, I want it to be fun. I don't want to be learning and oh, let me, I have to learn today, right? And your energy goes down and, oh gosh, I've got to study this really tough grammar point. I'm never going to figure out the subjunctive. Like that's, that's no fun, right? Especially as adults, right? We have other things to do. We don't have to learn a language. We want to learn a language, I presume. Um, So if it's something we want to do, we should make it enjoyable. There's so much stuff to stress out about in life. Language should not be one of those things. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I mean, I keep coming back to this in in conversations that there are enough things in life as adults that are not fun that we have to do. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: the more we can make things fun, and we we just underestimate it, but we we have to make things fun. Otherwise, we just not either we're not going to do them, or we are going to be, you know, draining our energy and not being able to do other things or putting enough energy into the rest of our, you know, life and social life and and other priorities so yeah i mean being able to find the fun and um i love what you said about uh different kinds of music i might have some recommendations for you for arabic music okay um (laughs) by the way but um uh i'm trying to learn a sami at the moment which is this indigenous language from uh northern norway and sweden and finland and uh the music is very unusual and I'm enjoying it and it it puts me in a kind of a nice mood but I don't think I'm learning much because honestly at least from my impression I don't think they're singing in words as much as in kind of just vocalizing yeah, so yeah. it's a lot of it's very interesting but I don't think it's the best um way of of learning uh learning the language
1: <laughs> but but you, you touched on an important point, too, because I think that, um, you know, I have heard people say like, oh, you can't really learn um, languages through music. And I've actually even had someone caution me when I was in um, in Rio de Janeiro. I was in Brazil and they go, oh, you don't want to learn the the words from that song. Like, they're like, you don't <laughs> like you don't need to learn that. And I was like, I don't know, because I didn't know what the song was about. They just thought, oh, it sounds nice. And she's like, no, don't not that one. So <laughs> I do think it's an important point because there are certain songs that are more rhythmical, that are more just like, you know, I call them dance songs or party songs. A lot of those songs really don't lend themselves towards learning um, as much. And that's something that really threw with Spanish Ponce it's like. We had to really look at where will we find the value because there are there are lots of songs that tell stories that are narratives that, um, you know, so incorporating story in music and the language. I mean, it's, you really get a lot of richness from that. So, you know, yeah. So we did have to be intentional about the artist that we would select and the, the topic of the songs, because, yeah, there are a lot of great songs. But if there's only one line in the song right? It's like, okay, well, you're not going to <laughs> learn too much from it um, unless you're like super beginner and you're just happy to learn that one line. Um, but yeah, so so it is, I think it is important to be conscious of the type of music if you're going to use it for learning. Um, and also kind of going along with that, it's funny because I've even thought about this because um, I've had people, you know, Spanish speakers ask me like, oh, well, do you have any content in English? Are you teaching English with music? And I kind of laugh. I said, well, the music that I listen to in English I wouldn't teach anyone
0: <laughs>
1: the language with it because I used to listen to hip hop, right? And I just I just had this whole like epiphany. I was just laughing. I said, well, if I if I tried to teach someone English with bootang, like that would not work. So that's <laughs> why so, so I haven't done it. I maybe if I start listening to the Beatles or something, I don't know. But yeah, like um, so I do think it's important, right? Uh, because there are cultures, especially in Latino culture, there's so many different countries. There's so many different um, types of music. And there's also like this idea of, I don't necessarily want to say inappropriate, but there's definitely like a street culture, right? So like, and there's a youth culture. So anytime you're you're listening to something you don't really know, and you're listening to songs that uh, might just be vulgar, or, you know, we always want to learn, I want to learn the dirty words in this language, right? Like, I, <laughs> I get it, right? Like people do that. And yeah, you do come across that. But we really try to focus on, contemporary songs that tell stories and also classic songs that are just timeless. Because if you've ever been to a party where, especially here in the U S where there's a group of Latinos, there are certain songs that everybody knows. It doesn't matter what country they're from. It doesn't matter, you know, what other cultural differences they have. It doesn't matter if they, you know, speak the exact same type of Spanish quote unquote, but like, for example, um, was this song? Gosh, I can't remember the name now. Um, El Rey, the King. Um, and the artist uh, just, just passed away recently and everyone was, it was like a whole big mm-hmm. like national morning. Um, Vicente Fox, I think. And he's from Mexico. And, you know, Mexican artists, I didn't really know a lot about Mexico, but this song, El Rey, everybody knows. And if it comes in at a party, everyone starts singing. Uh, and mm-hmm. you kind of have to know that song because if you go to yeah. a party it and his song, come on, like, and you're the only one that doesn't know. Or like Mark Anthony, like everybody knows you know certain songs so that's also part of the culture um and conversation when you're in those environments but yeah it, it is important to pay attention to what you're listening to which is why we really try to curate the music that we use um instead of like it being all reggaeton and learning how to say shake your booty we're not really focused mm-hmm. on that that's there but we really try to focus on the stuff that'll tell stories and be relevant to learning the language so it's it's it is a balance it's a balance <laughs>
0: Are there, I mean, because you mentioned that there are certain, like the party anthems aren't usually the ones with the most interesting or relevant uh, or applicable language in it. There's a lot of repetitive stuff and maybe a lot of degrading things and that kind of thing. Um, Are there any genres that are more likely to be, is it like, I don't know, like mm, romance songs? Are they, you know, or is there a, are there any patterns in kind of which genres seem to be better for language learning? Well, I mean, it's so that's such a huge
1: question in terms of like music overall, but in terms of uh, mm-hmm. Spanish language, you know, I always tell people to like go with what you like. I think that's your first sort of compass because if you like how something sounds, you know, if you're going to learn from yeah. it, you have to listen to it a lot, right? You have to like repetition is king, right? So. Um, if you're listening to something that you don't like and it sounds like nails on a chalkboard, it really doesn't matter what the content is because you're not going to listen to it. Um, some people feel that way about um, the genre bachata, which comes from Dominican Republic, which is in the Caribbean. So their Spanish is a lot more, has more of a Caribbean flavor to it. But um, I appreciate, I love how the, it's like a really high-pitched guitar sound. I love it. Some people despise it. And for them, I would say, well, then don't learn Spanish with bachata, right? Um mm-hmm. But I would say that there are some genres that have stood the test of time that have been around for a while. This is why salsa, you know, I picked up learning the dance, but it had been around for years, you know, and there's a whole rich history there of different artists from back in the 60s and 70s up through um, now and even back into the 50s before salsa was a thing because salsa is sort of a made up, I will not say made up, but uh, it has Mm its roots in actually in New York and in the US, right? It's not... You know, as much as it's Latino, it is very much um, from the mixture of people from different Latin cultures that converged in New York City. Um, but all the rhythms and the and, and like the stories that come through the music are from populations from Colombia, from Puerto Rico, from Cuba there's all these different rhythms that sort of come into it. so I would say you know for me, I mean it was like the first music I fell in love with. Of course, there's salsa romántica. So there's a lot of romantic songs. I think almost every um, you know genre of music has the oh, there's a love song or someone broke my heart or whatever. Um, so there's there's that, but there's also songs about um, history, about culture, about um, you know friendship, about um, gosh, social issues, which is really powerful to learn about, and not, not social issues in a very preachy way, but in a way of hey, this is just a great dance song. I didn't know they were talking about the history of slavery in Colombia, stuff like that. Like, it's not even stuff you, it doesn't sound, <laughs> it's very upbeat. Um, so mm-hmm. so salsa is such a rich genre with so many different countries that produce it, uh, so many different artists with so many different backgrounds that it's, I, I really do love uh, salsa. Um, there are a lot of different genres of uh, Mexican music as well that give you, a rich sense of uh, that country's history because there are really, I think, what, maybe eighty different languages spoken in Mexico um, besides Spanish. All these indigenous languages and all these uh, cultures and, and different accents. Um, so you could go into a whole deep dive just on exploring different genres of of that one country. And in every country is like that, right? In Argentina, you have tango. There's a rich history there. Um, in Colombia, you also have you have salsa, uh, but you also have cumbia. You know, there's all these different types of music and they all have their own story. So I would say it's very country specific, but because I tend to love the Caribbean and I tend to love uh, the music from there and the people and just traveling there, um, I've just tended towards salsa because it is a very uh, Caribbean music. So, yeah, it really just depends. But I say, li- listen to what you love. Go follow your 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 heart and your likes and, and your desires. And that to me will is much better than trying to textbook it and go, what's the perfect amount of grammar in this song and that I can learn and practice. No, like, what do you like to listen to? Start there (laughs) and then go, you know, then figure it out from there. But I would, I would start with what your ear likes, you know, versus what you think is the right thing to listen to.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, you, you, you'll always find that when, if you, really fall in love with the song and you're kind of trying to understand the lyrics you might find that there are of course there are grammar points in there so you realize that oh this word is actually like the past tense of this other word that you maybe already knew but you have to kind of uh be interested enough in order to figure that out and it doesn't have to be the the end goal because grammar is never the end goal unless right. you're becoming a linguist but you know yeah i mean falling in love with the songs to the point where you want to experience it better, I guess, by understanding it.
1: Yeah. And that's really how I started. You know, I, there were songs that I liked and I'd be dancing to them and I would pick up a few of the words and I'd be singing along. And I'm sure I said half of them wrong in the beginning, (laughs) but I was like, what am I listening? I really want to know what I'm listening to because often in, um, especially with salsa music and salsa dancing, there tends to be just, like I said, these classic songs that everyone knows that you will always hear. It doesn't matter if the song didn't come out last week, right? It's like, these are just classic songs that dancers always listen to, or even not even just dancers at a party, you will always hear like the certain playlists, right? Everyone, I think every culture has like their classics, right? And so for for me, I would hear these songs over and over again, and I would go, well, what is going on? And the one that really crystallized it for me, besides like many songs by Mark Anthony, so we will not have to go there. Um, but there's a song called Rebellion by Joe Arroyo, and he's a Colombian artist. And I'm listening to the song and I hear the word negra in it. And I said, well, that sounds like it must be related to black people. I didn't know the artist himself was Afro-Latino because, I, you know, I didn't see his face or just hearing his voice. And I'm listening to him, I can't say like, He keeps saying negra. What is he talking about? So I went to watch the video and it's actually a story of like a slave rebellion. Wow. You know, of this Afro uh and, and actually when I went to Colombia and, and this is the week I launched my podcast, I actually went to visit the city Balenque, which is in Colombia, which was the first free um city of Africans in the Western Hemisphere. Wow. And that was established by people who had left captivity. And me being from the US, we're we're taught a very like American-centric history here. I had no idea that South America had, you know, had more slaves brought from Africa than North America. Like I, I just, my mind was blown. Like these are things I should have known just in general education. And so I think that crystallized it for me. I was like, okay, you know what? I, I really need to know what I'm listening to, to appreciate yeah. the culture because it also helped me more personally connect as a, as a person of African descent that grew up in the U.S., was born here. To connect with, oh my gosh, that we have these similarities, we have this culture. And in fact, when I went to Palenque, when I went to Colombia, when I visited the city, it looks like you're in an African town. It's still preserved very much like that to this day. And when I came there, he's like, "Welcome home," <laughs> you know. And they thought I was Colombian. It's a whole other story. But mm-hmm. it just, it's just like that to me. Really crystallizes it that you're not learning a foreign language, right? We're all in some way connected. And if we can find those connections, it makes it so you realize, oh, my gosh, like, this is not something separate from me. This is not something foreign to me. This is not something outside of myself I have to learn. This is a part of me I have to grow into and explore. Because All of us, to me, the whole planet belongs to everyone. You know, Mm -hmm. we're separated by these artificial boundaries that were here when we were born and we don't really know. I'm sorry I get a little philosophical here. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think that that is at the core of why we learn language, right? You know, sure, we might like languages, right? Oh, yeah, I just like learning languages. But we get to connect with other humans at a deeper level when we can speak their language. And, And we start to realize, I think, the more and even the more we learn more languages, we realize how how much languages are very much the same and not very different, right? There's all these similarities. The more languages you learn, you put these pieces together and you can see, oh, look at all these Spanish words in Arabic, right? (laughs) Um, So all all these types of, you start to see. And I think to me, that's the real power. That's the point of all this. That's the point of, I want to get my grammar, my pronunciation right. I want to be understood. I want to understand what people are saying. And I want to be a part of this, you know, human family, not just, I want to prove that I, you know, have the, the perfect accent. Right. Um, I think that's a very, I think we all kind of maybe start there, but you you come to realize the more you learn that you're actually growing as a person and connecting with other people at a deeper level. So, sorry, I got off on a tangent there. I don't know what the original no. question was, but, I- but yeah, <laughs> but I do think that, um, you know, it is, it is just really powerful when you make those connections and, you know, understanding and appreciating what other people's experiences are and that it's not your own, but you can see what those connections are to your own experience, I think is where, where you, where you're really trying to get to, you know, So, and, and using the music, you really get a deeper sense of that than you do. Cause like I said, I mean, everyone's not going to have the opportunity to travel uh, to this town I went to in Colombia, but everyone can listen to that song by Joe Rojo, Right. And yeah. you can get a sense and it can kind of transport you there without you having to physically go to all these places. So that's the other thing I love about it, especially during the pandemic. It's like, we were all kind of, and, and still are maybe halfway, I don't know. It depends on when you're listening <laughs> to this and where you live. But, <laughs> you know, I was doing Samba. I was taking Samba classes uh, during like the previous summer where we couldn't go anywhere. We were on lockdown. But I was mm-hmm. in my home taking Zoom classes, learning Brazilian Samba, you know, and learning Portuguese at the same time. So it, it that helped me you know, just kind of get through. So I think that there are ways that we can connect language to our lives and not just make it an academic pursuit.
0: Yeah. And something you just said really got me thinking, which was that language learning is a way of actually connecting to a new side of yourself or a different side of yourself that already exists. And that is also how I feel about language learning. You know, it's not about kind of taking something that's not yours and learning about it, learning kind of how to master it like a skill. It's actually about discovering other different sides of yourself and different ways that you can connect and, and kind of be in the world together.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's to me, it's what, it's what it's all about, you know?
0: So, um, Can I check with you? I'm not incorrect if I say you're a neuro language coach. Mm -hmm. How have you used that in your Spanish consalsa business? Well, it's actually interesting. So when I
1: got to, I'd say, more of an intermediate level, I was Spanish and I felt like, okay, because of the way I learned, I didn't, you know, I mentioned sort of my school experience, but I didn't, I didn't learn Spanish in college. Actually in college, I took two semesters of Arabic Modern Standard Arabic, which I found out was just as useful as me learning Spanish. but That's another story. Um, (laughs) So I I just kind of there was a lot of gaps right in my knowledge and there were things I didn't know. And I decided, you know, there's got to be a different approach. Like I said, I had done a lot of courses like I'd done like grammar drills. I'd done like, oh, let's learn about this. And but I just wanted to be able to have better conversations. And what I found was that when talking to native speakers, you know, you having conversations and people are very nice and they're like, I understand you. They're not going to tell you when you make mistakes, it's depending on the culture, mm-hmm. right? I know every culture is yeah. different, but Latin culture, to me, people are very kind and they're just happy you're making the effort. And you can have a good conversation and make a ton of mistakes and you won't be aware of them. Uh, and this happened to me for years, right? Mm-hmm. And like pronunciation mistakes, like, you know, those little grammar things, things that we shouldn't get hung up on. But I got to a point where I wanted to to like really improve And so I came across this, uh, this like neural language coach and I was, oh, this sounds interesting. So I actually worked with a coach for a little bit and I got so, um, into this experience that I decided I wanted to be a neural language coach myself and get certified because I just loved the, the way that it was done. It was, it's a very conversational approach uh, and it's goal oriented, right? So, The difference to me between coaching and teaching is like a teacher will say, here's the curriculum. Here's what we're going to learn. You're going to learn about, uh, you know, past tense. We're going to do the future tense. And then we're going to do these exercises. And this is the curriculum. Right. With coaching, it's like about the person who's learning like, okay, what are your goals? Why do you even want to learn Spanish? Because someone who who is a medical um, worker who has to go into a hospital and meet with patients and wants to connect with them and has patients from Mexico and Puerto Rico is going to be very different from someone like me who just likes to travel and dance and very different from someone who I want to go retire in Costa Rica, right? Mm-hmm. These are all different goals. And to me, they're very important to how you learn the language. There's not a one size fits all approach, particularly when you get past that very beginner level. Like once you kind of know the basics, um you you really need to begin to hone in and focus on what's relevant to you. Um like I always give the example, I had to learn the word for braids in Spanish because I was trying to describe to someone what was going on with my hair and I don't have braids but <clears throat> it looks like it. So people would often ask me, "Oh, tienes trenzas," like trenzas, braids. And I didn't have and I and I didn't know how to tell them that's not what it was. And I didn't really want to get into it, but I was like, look, I'm not going to have a whole hair conversation with you, but okay, trenzas, see, si. son como trenzas. So they're like braids. And um, But see, everyone doesn't have to learn that word. It's not going to be in your list of the 100 or 1,000 most common Spanish words. It's not there. But for me, when someone sees me, this is going to come up. So I need to know how to talk about it. So things like that, right, that you're not going to get in a curriculum that come through conversation. So coaching is a conversational goal-oriented approach. And neural language coaching specifically focuses on how the adult brain learns best, right? So it's not trying to force you. We're not trying to make you feel embarrassed. It's like, okay, what are your goals? Would you like to do this? You know, it's a very much uh, permissive way of of, um, working with someone. And it's a partnership. It's not, we're imposing this curriculum on you. It's how can I facilitate your learning? how do we how do we help you reach your goal so to me it's just a it's a very different approach than a lot of us who learn language in school have been exposed to because we're just used to tell me what to learn what do i need to know first give me the curriculum i want to learn the subjunctive and i keep saying that cuz that just seems like the everyone wants to jump to some advanced grammar topic and and then you say hola como estas they're like uh yo soy bien and you're like no um mm-hmm. you don't need to learn a subjunctive yet we need to be able to have a conversation so we focus on practical things like that too um for people that like Kind of, you know, it's like, look, what is your goal? And is what you're learning in alignment with your goal? And if not, how do we bring that together and get you speaking? So it's a communicative approach as well. We focus a lot on using the language in practical ways and setting functional goals. So with Spanish Quonsal, so we have a membership community where that's what we focus on. You know, every single week we're doing check ins. Hey, how's it going? What are you struggling with? What do you need to improve? Where are you stuck? How do we help you fit this into your schedule? Because you're mm-hmm. a busy adult that has other things to do. You've got kids. you got a job. You know, um, so we work on that. How do you fit it in? Um, what do you need to focus on? Because if we had infinite time, we could learn everything about every language. But to be honest with you, I don't know every word in English. and I'm a fluent native speaker of English. There's so many words I don't know. Yeah. Um, we always joke. We call them SAT words, right? Like you open up the dictionary. Like, I don't know what that is. You know, and we all find that out when we have kids and we're, yeah. Trying to help them with their homework, but anyway, <laughs> so like we have limited time, we yeah. have limited resources, we have limited memory, so we really do need to focus on those things that are that matter for us, and that's going to be different than what matters for someone else. So that's the whole approach. And I did start out doing one-on-one coaching, um, but with Spanish Cuan Salsa, we do our team still does some one-on-one coaching, but we we like to do a group approach because we find that having that community is so important. Um, Because I don't know about you, but like all my friends growing up were not like geeking out on, you know, (laughs) learning languages, right? They're they're just not concerned. So having that social support is also uh, really important. That's what I've been really passionate about, you know, building a community around that and using this coaching approach to give people that individual and group support they need to like actually speak the language and stop just sitting and listening to it like they're auditing a class in college, but actually use it in their day-to-day lives.
0: Absolutely. I've said this before, but I, I really love your approach. And I think it's, it's a great way of, of just combining different uh, different modalities, different interests, and, and yeah, making it really tangible to adult learners who obviously have a million things on their to-do list usually. I want to ask you, I think we have time for one final question. And I'll ask you to just think about it and try and make it like a one sentence response. It's <laughs> well, gonna to be time. tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is something you've learned that you wish was common knowledge or that you wish was maybe taught in school? Wow.
1: Hmm. To me, the thing I wish I would have learned much earlier in life and in school is you know, how to control my mind and my thoughts. Yeah. It's so overlooked. And if you can do that, you can do almost anything else. But so many of us have monkey minds and we just let them kind of go. And to me, you know, practicing meditation has been something really big for me the past few years. That's helped me realize that if I would have known this sooner, I would be so much further along by now. So, for me, it would be that how to control your mind.
0: Brilliant. And final question for our listeners. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about Spanish con salsa and your language coaching?
1: Sure. So first of all, if you are listening to this podcast on whatever your favorite podcast app is, uh, you can just search for learn Spanish con salsa, which is learn Spanish with salsa. Um that is where you will find new episodes every week. We talk about how to learn languages with music and, and many of the episodes actually take a song and break it down, uh, which is really great if you're busy because songs are only three minutes long. So once you, once you get uh, the song, you you know, you can also tap into our, our playlist of all the music that we feature on the podcast. Uh, but that would be the first place. Uh, learn Spanish con salsa is the podcast. Uh, if you're interested in learning Spanish through music or you want to learn more about language coaching, uh, you can just go to Uh And we're also on Facebook, just kind of search us on the, the interwebs and you'll find us. But SpanishCoinsalsa.com for our uh, classes and our coaching.
0: Time to wrap up the episode with a few reflections for you to consider. A recurring theme on this podcast, of course, is this idea that learning a language is so much more than what we often think about, um, you know, whether it's your approach to learning language, your methods, the reason that you're uh, wanting to learn, and um, yeah, just all of the different sort of myriads of ways um, that you can think about and go about your, your learning. And during the conversation with Tamara Marie, what I really loved was that she was saying, you know, how language doesn't divide us but connect us and the fact that you know all humans have language and in many ways I believe language is a reflection of humanity and I know I'm getting a little bit cheesy but as Tamara put it, languages aren't foreign, they're just showing us different sides of ourselves and I'm wondering if part of the reason why some language learning especially when it initially feels really sort of foreign, that discomfort is learning in its purest form. It's when you are knee deep in your learning that you can really fully see the kinds of both the limitations of the human mind, but also the limitlessness at the same time. Because we do have a tremendous and virtually infinite capacity for what we actually can hold in this little organ that we call the brain so yeah what do you think do you agree with Tamara that languages aren't foreign and when you know when is it that they feel foreign or not foreign to you and i mean am i making any sense at all when i say that learning shows us both the limitations and the limitlessness of our brains or have I gone completely mad? <laughs> I'd love to hear from you. Um, you can either email in through podcast at or through a voice note, which you can submit from the link in the show notes. And there you can also find more information about Tamara Marie, about Spanish consalsa, and also about the songs that she mentioned in this episode. If you're feeling curious to give those a listen, a final note from me, since the release of the previous episode, my laptop had a little bit of an issue. Long story short, you'll now hear a new outro to the podcast. So maybe you'll stick around and just hear about what's new. You've been listening to the Abundate podcast with me, Hedvig Sandbu. A language coach and founder of Abundate, where I offer language coaching services and a new group program for ambitious people who want to improve their language skills without studying for hours every day. Podcast graphics were designed by Sengflow Designs, and the theme music was created by Poddington Bear. The rest was done by me, Hedvig Sandu. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Hey, before you go, here's a quick reminder for you who uses English as a foreign language at work. Go check out the School of Certainty, specifically designed for the international professional to help build brain-friendly communication skills, so you can stop overthinking, did I say that right? What's the right word here? Should I put an S on the end there? Visit Abundate.org SOC for more information.